true believers and strap in as we journey with Matt Spectro through the multiverse. Excelsior! Not to mention the evil genius and brilliant leadership of myself. Open the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse! Welcome to another astonishing episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. I am not Matt Spectro. No, I am not. He is off in the Fortress of Solitude and he's unavailable this week. My name is Mike Crockett. You may remember me from episode two of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. I talked about the old Incredible Hulk series from, I think it's 1982. You can go back and listen to that. But I'm here in his stead. And it's a little awkward because, I mean, the guy's name is actually on the show. It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse. For him not to be here, it's kind of ridiculous. And I brought this up to him. I, br- I said, Matt, it's Matt Spectro through the multiverse. What, uh, what am I doing here? And he says, well, Johnny Carson would do the same thing with The Tonight Show. I, I, I was so flabbergasted, so caught off guard, so aghast that really all I could do is agree to do it. So here I am. Matt Spector says he's a lifelong comic book fan. I am a comic book fan in my youth. I've kind of gotten out of it. Matt Spector says he's a lifelong animation fan. I can pretty much go along with that. And he also says he's a lifelong superhero fan. And yes, I can't completely agree with him there. So I'm adequately qualified to be a part of this podcast here today and this podcast is exclusively about animation sprung from the world of comic books but you know that because you listen to every episode there are three rules here the first is the one i just explained to you about the animation and the comic books the second rule just like dc comics presents the brave of the bold marvel two and one marvel team up it's always the host that's me this week and a special guest and the third rule of the podcast we're gonna have fun Welcome to episode 14, and let's get right to our special guest for this week. He is a writer. He is a, um, I thought performance artist, but maybe not. We will ask him about that. He is, uh, he does mixtapes. He does all kinds of stuff. He is a, a man about town. He is a man about pop culture. His name is Evan O'Television. Hello. Hello, Mike. How are you? I'm very excited because I got to be on this show because you know me. Yes. Matt doesn't know me. Not at all. And if you weren't substituting for Matt, there's probably no chance that I would ever be on this show. So now I am. I found the way in. Yes, you did. <laughs> through the back door, you are here on Matt Spectro through the multiverse. Happy to have you. And now I talked about you. Are you a performance artist? You know, I go by the name of No Television and... To describe my act is I record myself on video, and then I perform with the recording of myself on video on stage live as like a vaudeville-style old double routine. Like It's like Abbott and Costello, but there's less guys. It's just me and me. <laughs> I used to call it performance art, and then uh, I realized that if I called it comedy, 
people would actually show up for the performances. <laughs> so, uh, so I started calling it comedy. That's the one part of my creative output. The other one that I think you mentioned was the Ill Murray mixtape, which is yes. really an album, a double album I made with my partner, Troy Kidwell, as part of the Bad Mancinis. We're basically an electronic music act. The whole double album is all using clips of Bill Murray. Right. It is Bill Murray samples wall to wall. Every song is built around a different Bill Murray sample. And then there's sampled music and original music. 16 songs, five videos. You can find them all at illmurray.com. Perfect plug. Very well done. Very early in the episode. we get right to it. That's very good. And you are a longtime comic fan, right? Longtime comic book fan. I kind of stopped reading them in college and then picked them up at the end of my 20s again and then really picked them up again in the middle of my 30s again. And I've been reading pretty faithfully for about 15 years, but less less on the cartoons. I mean, I like cartoons, but I've never been, except for like, say, Rick and Morty or Simpsons or things like that. But superhero cartoons, I, I haven't been watching since I was a kid. And I know you were a little weary about doing it when I brought up that it's comic book animation, but I, I really think you with the comic slant will really help flesh out the episode we're going to watch, which we are watching this week, Teen Titans, the show that began in 2003 on Cartoon Network. Before we get into it all, we don't claim to be experts. We do our research as best we can, and we try to offer a lot of information as well as opinions. Sometimes we get it wrong, and if we do, we make sure to let... Matt Spector, no, on social media, not us. <laughs> so uh, Teen Titans, 2003. It's DC, which is not quite in my wheelhouse. I'm more of a Marvel guy. I, I think you might know this. But it was your pick. We did a lot of back and forth on what we're going to pick. And how did you land on Teen Titans? Well, I, I was a Marvel guy. I'm still more of a Marvel guy, too. Okay. But when I was 12, 13, my comic book reading Prime, Teen Titans really came into like its prime. This storyline, the Judas Contract storyline, was right when I was that age. And the only DC books I really read were, I would say, Teen Titans and Swamp Thing, because Alan Moore was coming out with Swamp Thing at that time, which was totally revolutionary as comic books. Yeah. But basically, Teen Titans was seen as a knockoff of the new X-Men. Claremont and John Byrne and Dave Cockrum had just done this new X-Men. And then Teen Titans came along and said, let's take an old property too and like revamp it. And it was perceived to be kind of the cornier approach because it was such a blatant imitation of X-Men, of what was popular about X-Men. But the fact of the matter is Wolfman and Perez really made it their own. And if it hadn't been as good as it was, it would have just been laughed off the market as an imitation of X-Men. But there was a period where I was more excited about new issues of Teen Titans than I was about X-Men. Teen Titans, you talked about it as a revival. Originally, it was created by Bob Haney and Bruno Primiani, I believe is the way you say that. And it started out an editor at DC, George Cashden. He had the idea to team up the sidekicks of several DC comic superheroes. The result was a adventure with Robin, Kid Flash, and Aqualad, who I had never quite heard of. <laughs> Apparently, he was a sidekick of Aquaman in I the think 1960s. He had brown hair was the big deal about Aqualad. <laughs> he wore the orange and green. He, he, was, he but... was red. I picture Aqualad in a red version of the Aquaman outfit, dark huh. hair, and I don't know. Original appearance was in The Brave and the Bold, number 54, in July of 1964. 
and they first appeared under the name Teen Titans in Brave and the Bold number 60, and they were joined by Wonder Girl. They were canceled originally in 1973, revived in 76, canceled again in 78, and then in 1980, the new Teen Titans number one by Marv Wolfman and George Perez came around. It was anchored by Robin, Wonder Girl, and Kid Flash, and they added Starfire and Raven. Cyborg, who uh, we're familiar with from the Justice League movies, but he was a uh, Teen Titan, plus Beast Boy, who had actually appeared in the first incarnation of the book. He was seeking membership in the group back then, but he was deemed too young at the time, but they brought him back for the new Teen Titans. And to be honest, when I got my first new Teen Titans issue, I was maybe like 10 or 11, and in it was a Captain Carrot and his amazing Zoo Crew mini-comic in the middle of it. And I had gotten Captain Carrot number one, and I wanted to get the preview of Captain Carrot. (laughs) And I didn't have any other superhero comics at the time. I wasn't into superhero comics. I was more into funny animal comics. Yeah. Uh, You know, just weird things like that. Teen Titans was my first superhero comic, and I actually got to the X-Men when people were saying, oh, the Teen Titans are just imitation of the X-Men. Gotcha. (laughs) I wasn't cool enough to read the X-Men when I started reading Teen Titans. I kind of had them as the starter kit. That was a trend of cartoon animals, and Rocket Raccoon was big at that time, too. I think Mike Mignola of Hellboy drew a lot of the early Rocket Raccoons. I was big into knowing who the artists were. (laughs) That's going to come in handy today. I'm not kind of comic book geek, but I don't... (laughs) I don't know animation actors. I know a lot of actors, but I don't know a lot of animation actors. We'll we'll talk about that in just a second. Now, the Teen Titans cartoon we're talking about today is based on stories by Wolfman and Perez from the 80s. It was developed for TV by Glenn Murakami and Sam Register. Now, this show premiered on the Cartoon Network on July 19th, 2003, and its first two seasons also aired on Kids WB. Now, unlike most superhero television series... The Teen Titans' main characters maintain their superhero identities at all times with very little hint as to their alter ego or secret identity. So that's a little interesting. That's very interesting, especially in contrast with the comics. And I think that that's like, it's very influenced by anime, the the visual style mm-hmm. of this. And then their later series, Teen Titans Go, was even more so. Yeah. But this series, at the time that it came out, you have the theme song and all that sort of stuff is very Japanese anime. I don't know if that's the influence of the Murakami fellow. I'm guessing he's not related to Haruki Murakami, the famous novelist, but. <laughs> you, can, <laughs> you guys out there can uh, research that and let us know <laughs> now uh, also Teen Titans has never been established to be a part of the larger DC animated universe like the Batman animated series or anything like that they've kind of been on an island among themselves Yep. so that's kind of interesting here now the first season of Teen Titans introduces the mysterious villain Slade now the second season which is what we're going to talk about we're talking about Season 2, episode 10, called Betrayal. And the second season as a whole is an adaption of the most acclaimed story in Teen Titans history, The Judas Contract. It was actually the Comic Buyer's Guide's fan award for favorite comic book story of 1984. So it's an award-winning tale. And I would say, just to put it in the context of the comic books of the time, and the three most popular, famous superhero stories of my youth, which is the 80s, were 
the Daredevil Electra storyline, the X-Men Dark Phoenix storyline, and this, the Terra storyline in Judas Contract. Now this episode, Betrayal, premiered July 31st, 2004. It was directed by Alex Soto. And most of his credits come as a storyboard artist for Ultimate Spider-Man, The Avengers, Generation Rex, Static Shock, Kung Fu Panda the series, and Jackie Chan Adventures. Do you know there was a Jackie Chan Adventures cartoon? I did know that. Wow. I did know that, and it always struck me as very strange given that what Jackie Chan, it's kind of like ventriloquism on the radio. If you don't have Jackie Chan's <laughs> body bouncing off of yes. things and hanging from things, is it really Jackie Chan? I mean, it's a very strange thing to me watching something Jackie Chan related in which you're not watching his yes. body be thrown around or <laughs> him throw people around. Yeah, if it's not like a motion capture thing, it's kind of <laughs> pointless. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so Alex Soto only had three shows credited as a director, Ultimate Spider-Man, Ben 10, and of course, many episodes of Teen Titans. This episode, Betrayal, was written by Amy Wolfram, and she was a writer for Be Cool, Scooby-Doo, the Stinky and Dirty Show. Have you heard of this one? <laughs> no. Me neither. I'm really interested to see, though, the Stinky and Dirty Show. And also, Teen Titans Go. Let's get into the characters of Beast the show Boy we're going to watch the today. the biggest character you get into, to be honest. Beast Boy is voiced by Greg Sipes. Now, as an actor, he had small roles on CSI, Gilmore Girls, and General Hospital. There you go. Now, he went on uh, after this to voice Michelangelo in the 2012 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series. There we go. He's uh, also been Iron Fist in a number of Marvel TV and video game projects, as well as, of course, Beast Boy and Teen Titans Go! later on. Uh, Beastie Boy. Beastie Boy. Beast Boy. (laughs) Well, it may be part of the reason he was renamed Beast Boy again for the series. The popularity of the Beastie Boys might have had a play in that because- In the 80s, in the comic book, he was called Changeling. He had been called Beast Boy when he was introduced, which is in the Doom Patrol series. Mm -hmm. The idea in the 80s was that he was a Changeling, and I really, really liked Changeling. He was my favorite superhero character because he was a lot like Peter Parker in that his big priority was getting off the best quip or joke on yeah. the villains. He he wasn't good for a whole lot else, but that <laughs> that was and he was girl crazy. He was definitely like the horniest of <laughs> of the Teen Titans. And so I think we will see that in the episode. Yeah, he was the most of a like a John Hughes character ducky of superhero <laughs> comics at the time, you know, like this kind of like wisecracking or Anthony Michael Hall in 16 Candles. Or something. They couldn't get either of those guys to voice Beast Boy? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> but he was called Changeling throughout the 80s, and then they went back to Beast Boy later on, I think. Uh, at least for this cartoon series, if not before. Uh, Robin, of course, of Batman and Robin fame, is a part of this episode, voiced by Scott Menville. And he has been doing voices since 1979. His first credit, he did additional voices on Scooby and Scrappy-Doo. So this is like, he's playing young. He's got range. I guess so, yeah. He, he was Spanky on the 1982 Little Rascals cartoon. Johnny he, Johnny Quest. Either that or his, his voice just never matured. Probably. Like, he's like, hey, I've got a voiceover career, and the good news is, Nobody knows that I'm 78 years old, and I'm, I've, been, I've been scrappy-doo for 12 years. It's a bunch of women and him. 
<laughs> yeah, like Yeardley Smith and then him, right? Yes. So he was Johnny Quest on the New Adventures of Johnny Quest. He was Fred Flintstone on the Flintstones Kids. Flintstone. Oh, Fred Flintstones Kids. Yes. There, there we go. It's a different series in 86. He's got a type. It's a kid. And he came back to <laughs> Scooby-Doo as part of Shaggy and Scooby-Doo Get a Clue. He was Shaggy himself. So he went from additional voices on Scooby-Doo to playing Shaggy. Which is actually probably one of the most famous voices in all of cartoon history is oh yeah casey Kasem. casey Kasem playing a stoner which is actually kind of a contradiction like when you think about it it's like casey Kasem was when we were growing up he was like the straightest narrowest like yes. top 40 you know it was just like very generic with his cable net sweaters yeah and and yet his voice is of the most famous kind of stoner in uh, cartoons it's a very interesting thing how he did shaggy in 86. Zoinks. Maybe they looked like they could get Casey Kasem to do Robin here and, and this show. <laughs> so he said, who else has done voices that Casey Kasem has done? <laughs> right, so they come to right. Scott Menville. Just, it's just like your resume. You just see who, what you have in common. He's also done Bucky Barnes in the Avengers cartoon, Doc Ock in the 27th Spider-Man cartoon. And of course, he's been a Robin for Teen Titans uh, and, and Teen Titans Go. And also, he was on General Hospital. Does it say who he was on General Hospital? No, it's like it was like one okay. one week one off. Cyborg is voiced by Kari Payton, K H A R Y, Kari or Kari Payton, and he is most known for his live action role as Ezekiel on The Walking Dead. For his voice work, he was also Ripcord on the G.I. Joe Renegades in 2010, Grimlock on the 2014 Transformers show, and he's been cyborg on just about every iteration of the character, including Teen Titans Go. And yes, he was also on General Hospital. And Cyborg was one of the new characters, and he was definitely one of the cooler characters, and he was this part of this trying to make these characters more multiracial, and he's definitely one of the cooler characters DC had in that period. Let's talk about Raven. Raven. Voiced by Tara Strong. She was Bubbles on the Powerpuff Girls. Ah! Timmy Turner in the Fair of the Odd Parents. Dill Pickles in Rugrats. Okay. She's played Batgirl, Harley Quinn in DC Superhero Girls. And she's currently heard on Disney Plus's Loki as Miss Minutes. Oh, really? Yes. That's cool. Very famous uh, voice artist. We've talked about, actually, I think Matt's talked about a number of times on this show. Well, I think Raven in this iteration in the Teen Titans uh, animated series really kind of became popular because when I was reading it, she was really gloomy. She was like kind of a downer. She was yeah. like Dark Phoenix without any of the fun, you know? And so I don't know how much you want me to get into, but in terms of being a knockoff of the X-Men, I mean, what happened was Joe Cockrum and Chris Claremont, when they redesigned the X-Men, they had this idea of them being this international group, having more female characters with all these powers. So, you know, like you'd have Storm and Jean Grey was still in it, but she was kind of became the Phoenix. The thing about uh, the Noon Teen Titans is you can kind of break down the new characters as being direct ripoffs of uh, the X-Men because Raven is basically the Dark Phoenix just as her own character. She's like, if you took all the potential evil in Dark Phoenix, like Raven is always like, she was goth before it was cool. <laughs> yeah. She's got like, she looks really weird in the comic in the 80s. She's got like this 
huge forehead with this like you know thing in the middle of it and she's the daughter of a demon and all this stuff and then starfire is like got the red hair and the flames and starfire's from another planet coriander so it's basically you just split the flame aspects of the phoenix of like blowing up with flame and gave that all to starfire and gave her like her flaming hair and then you took the like potential world destroying monster demon within kind of female hulk aspects of the phoenix and you give that to raven you know i think that they made her kind of the fun version of a goth girl <laughs> on on this but it was kind of raven was kind of the first goth like even before neil gaiman's death yeah. sandman or any of that stuff it was like raven with her huge forehead and big shadowy bird that she would create i think they've definitely updated her for the for the uh cartoon here but i think she's new newly popular from the cartoon too yeah starfire we've talked about her hinden walsh hinden walsh i believe is how you pronounce that she is voicing starfire 14 titans she also did harley quinn like tara strong notably on the batman and batman hush she was Nikki on Doc McStuffins, Supergiant on Avengers Assemble and Guardians of the Galaxy, those cartoons. I think Supergiant is one of uh, Thanos's minions. Don't know. I believe so. I don't know my Thanos. Okay, well. I don't even know how to pronounce it. <laughs> and, of course, she's uh, been Starfire just about every iteration of the character. Tara! Wait, no, no, no. We got to go back to Starfire. Oh, okay, though. go for it. Because this is another one of my confessions. When I confessed I was... Not as sophisticated as I said I was and yes. liking superheroes. Well, the other thing that we have to be honest about the Teen Titans and their appeal is that both George Perez, like John Byrne, like a lot of the superhero artists at the time, basically were into drawing people like they had no clothes on. <laughs> they really liked superheroes as a way to draw a lot of human anatomy. Right. And Starfire was basically Farrah Fawcett on the comics page, but with bigger chest size and with flaming hair going everywhere. Yes. And to be honest, to be fair, so is Wonder Girl. So is the, the way that George Perez and these artists were drawing the female characters back then, the idea that they were teenagers was uh, as absurd <laughs> as 90210 being teenagers, right. for one thing. And because these are just like, you know, everybody's popping out of their, their uniforms. Right. So for me to deny that that was part of the appeal and what got me hooked on the non cartoon animal superheroes mm -hmm. uh, would be to. Uh, deny what a big part of what superhero comics was at the time you feel like you're looking at something slightly pornographic right it's a relief to see that they've uh, become a little bit more pc but a lot smarter about the mixing of sexuality and teen shows for younger audiences than when i was a kid let's talk about Terra. voiced by ashley johnson and she is most famously known as like, you remember Cousin Oliver from the Brady Bunch? How they would always bring in the young kid right, right, right. on these shows when stuff started to go downhill? Yeah. Well, she was that for Growing Pains. In 1990, she played Chrissy Seaver, the youngest of the Seaver clan. Ah. So she's uh, 
a longtime actress and one of her first voice roles. She was Emily and Jamie on King of the Hill. Uh, she was also Gwen on Ben 10 and Renette or Renee on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in 2015. And of course, she's uh, played Terra in a number of different Teen Titan properties. And Slade. Ron Perlman, known, of course, as Hellboy. He was Hellboy uh, in Hellboy and Hellboy 2. And also uh, Clarence Morrow on Sons of Anarchy. Uh, Ron Perlman, a big get, I would say, for Teen Titans. Another story about name changes. Slade was known in the 80s as the Terminator. Yes. Before the Terminator movie came out, this character who was constantly chasing the Teen Titans and was kind of scary in his kind of... He was very, you know, violent and very aggressive and a big threat to them. And he was called the Terminator. I think his name is Wilson Slade or Slade Wilson. But they didn't call him Slade the Terminator. They just called him the Terminator. And then the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie came out. And then they started calling him Slade Deathstroke. And then Deathstroke the Terminator. And <laughs> But, you know, in the... in. They would just go, oh, it's the Terminator. Get out of the way. You know, here comes the Terminator. So he goes by Slade uh, here Slade, on yes. Teen Titans. All right. So we have all the principles in place. We know who we're going to be watching. So now let us watch Teen Titans Season 2, Episode 10, Betrayal. We're going to watch it on HBO Max, and we invite you to as well. We're actually going to watch it this time. I know when Matt does this, he says he's watching it in the commercial break, but never does. He's always watched it ahead of time. We are actually going to watch it in this break, and when we come back, we will give you our thoughts on Teen Titans Betrayal. Stay with us. No secret identities. No schoolwork. No sweat. Teen Titans coming up next. Welcome home. Only Tsunami. Gotta watch your apple dippers when Kid Flash is around. You can team up with Kid Flash and other young Justice heroes. There's one in your McDonald's Happy Meal. Cartoon Network presents Starfire. You must meet my friends. Cyborg. Oh yeah, back in the lead. Beast Boy. Yo, whose turn to do dishes? Raven. This party is pointless. And Robin. Loser. Jerk. What did you say? In a new series about fighting for truth, justice, and the last slice of pizza. Teen Titans. Tonight at 10, only on Cartoon Network. Meanwhile, at the Podcast of Justice. We are back, and we just watched Teen Titans Betrayal. Ebeno Television, your first impressions of this episode. It's hard because they're not really a first impression because it's always translated through having read the original story. But no, I think that this version of the Teen Titans is really fun and really is a different kind of energy. So to see this story 
through these characters, it still holds up as an interesting like twist, an interesting story. It gave me a new appreciation for this version of the Teen Titans, which I hadn't seen much of. And it's funny because the original comic they said was written for the twelve-year-old boy, which I mean, we were talked to. You yeah. were talking earlier about the yeah. the imagery in that, but this really seems like for twelve-year-olds or younger. Either. Yeah, twelve. I think I think the audience is definitely for younger kids and the teen aspects of it are they make into the more fun aspects of being an innocent like the the whole dating between her and changeling they play up the kind of more romance anime kind of vibe uh which is fun like they they make it it's not as creepy as when i look back at my old comic books as a older person and i'm going (laughs) i was into this this is a little bit sketchy (laughs) yeah like as we mentioned the entire second season is basically this judas contract storyline so we're just seeing a small part of it and kind of jumped right to the end of it really but right right this is episode 10 and tara shows up in episode three of season two by the end of the third episode she is confronted by slade who knows her secret and taunts her with it and tara leaves the secret is that she uh, is unable to control her strong abilities. That's a secret that's not a secret for long anyway. I mean, it's like <laughs> <laughs> just hang out with somebody long enough. That's Let's roll through the whole episode. Let's just yeah, yeah, let's yeah. break the entire thing down. Actually, first, though, she returns in episode eight. Uh, she comes back uh, having mastered her powers while she's been away. She's now ready to become a teen titan. The other people aren't so sure, but she kind of proves herself in that episode. So she's actually welcomed into the fold. So we are at episode 10. She's been back for a couple episodes. Um, it's interesting when you said that he reveals her secret is that she's not well trained. And in the comics, all people's secrets are all tied into their alter egos and their secret identities, yeah. you know? And you were talking about how in this version of the cartoon, they really don't have secret identities. Yeah. They just are that character. Mm-hmm. So if you are that character, then your secret's going to be something to do with your powers. Like, it's not going to be, you know, your brother yeah, yeah. was a criminal or anything like that. Yes. It's going to be, you're just not good enough at your powers because you're this thing all the time <laughs> it's a little weird when she's calling out beast boy instead of like you know like saying perhaps his name was just garfield name logan Gar- thank you very much <laughs> so anyway, let's get uh into the episode we start out at like uh, this some looks like some sort of communication center looks like there's some sort of like yep. uh radio tower coming out of it and we see these are they robots they're slades robots and it seems like they've been fighting them over the over the course of yes. the seasons. It seemed they're very familiar because they'd say, tell Slade, you know. The Teen Titans have a message for him. Yeah. And then Tara says, eat dirt. And she throws <laughs> dirt at them because they're uh, like dis- ransacking this communications tower and they blast their way out and the Teen Titans happen to be right there. And her power is to manipulate Earth. And Terra is, that's basically yes, Earth and- Terra Firma. Yes, exactly. Um, the moment, the little superpower moment that was different for me in this was that Raven threw her something or turned something into a rock and then threw it to Terra and then Terra was able to manipulate it. Yes. And I didn't know that Raven could like kind of just like manifest or manipulate things into being in that way in the series. So I think that that's tells me something about Raven's powers and a little different from the comics, a little different. 
after this, Terra says, thanks a ton. And Raven says, well, closer More to like two tons, two actually. Tons, yes. Right. And I think that's Raven's role is she's the snarky cynic. You know, she's the Daria yes. of, of the Teen Titans. In the 80s, that just translated as depressing daughter of a demon who's just always meditating. Right. And in in this version, it's like it's a perfect opportunity for the girl to make wisecracks, you know? Yeah. The, the, the dark goth girl's the one who's always making the cynical wisecracks. In the comic, she's like Ali Sheedy in the Breakfast Club, maybe? Ne- but less, <laughs> she has no sense of humor. Yes. She's like a, you know, yeah. She's not even Ali Sheedy. She's more Ali Sheedy in this, yeah. So uh, at one point, we see Beast Boy turning into Gorilla. I guess his thing is he can become any he become sort of beast. Any animal, yes. So, and, and he does it for the purpose of fighting but he also does it as just as much to make jokes which was always the case yeah so uh he turns into a gorilla slams some people to save tara and he's got tara in his arms they show he's got big hearts for eyes so they're like there's no they're not beating around the bush yeah Beast you know. is into tara and and i i like the way it's handled here because they were the romance in the comic, and yep. I forgive me if I keep going back to the comic. No, please, that's awesome. what you're here for. They were they they were the romantic interest in the comic, and Tara was just mean, brutally mean back to Changeling, back to Logan, all the time, and you know he he finally had a girl who would like, you know, trade insults with him. Mm. It wasn't clear whether she liked him in the cartoon. It's definitely she likes him back, and she has like remorse and things like this. But um, in the book, she was much harder than all of them. She was like, she was from the streets or like a runaway or something like that. <laughs> and so she was like, you know, more cynical, more grizzled than any of them. And so she would like all of her courtship with Changeling is you didn't get the impression that she maybe really even liked him, but he kind of wore her down. But she would always insult him back. And that was kind of the charming thing to me is like, like I said, all the other teens in the Teen Titans didn't really look like teenagers, but Logan and Tara did, you know, they were younger. So, you know, you could look at it and go, okay, that, that could be my girlfriend in two years. You know, you did share with me. uh, I was able to look at the comic a little bit. You have to keep reminding yourself teenagers because there's nothing that says teen (laughs) in anything in in that book. (laughs) Not at all. Not at all. This cartoon, definitely. The forms are much toned down. There's no nothing popping out anywhere. (laughs) These are definitely teenagers in this show. Uh, So we we go from there to Slade's lair. He's kind of been watching on a bunch of monitors. It's a very cool shot. I mean, yes, like the colors are great in that. Mm -hmm. It's just like a nice twin smoke coming up on the sides of him, and I would say that was like one of my three favorite shots in the in the show he says tonight we strike and by tomorrow the titans will be annihilated and behind him is a shadowy figure that he's talking to and we only see one blue eye right right and then we go from there to the teen titans theme and this theme song as you mentioned japanese anime inspired teen titans go you heard it coming out of the break uh, really a very unique theme song. Yeah, it has like that kind of Saibomato, like 90s. Uh, there was a period where Japanese pop was like breaking through a little bit in the United States. Mm-hmm. And it has that, that 90s girl punk Japanese feel. But I, I, I mean, I remember that hearing that just on promos 
when this was on, when yeah. I wasn't watching. It was Teen Titans! Yeah. <laughs> so we go to the uh, beginning of the episode. Uh, there's this weird thing of a, uh, a slice of pizza. I don't know. I didn't really understand this. I think, I mean, I think that they would want to do something fun at the beginning of every episode with each of the characters. And they kind of break out of the reality in a way that, again, I think is the anime influence. Yeah, it seems like a video game almost yeah, that they like were watching. Yeah, or they're hosting a show. or And it kind of goes into their imaginations a little bit, which, you know, never was in the comic books. The comic books was trying to present itself as this is all really happening. Whereas they're having a lot more fun with the idea of an animated show and a kind of like Powerpuff Girls type shows yeah. or something like that where the reality can kind of break. But it also it was interesting because it introduced all the characters. And what it was struck me was, as opposed to what we talked about at the beginning, there were no kid flashes. There were no, you know, they really just boiled it down to the four new characters that were introduced in the 80s and Robin. So Robin's the one that's familiar to everybody from yeah. through Batman. And they didn't bother with there being any mini-me's of other characters, which mm. is kind of good because those characters were always limited by the shadow that hung over them. Even Robin in the comic, this is exactly when he changed his name to Nightwing. Right. It's like the fact that Robin survives as kind of the intro character for most people who have heard of him. But then you have these four other characters that all at this point, you know, I like their evolution into the team. It's good to have that one anchor guy like Robin that everyone knows, and then you kind of go out from there. So, yeah. Speaking of Robin, he says, great job tonight, Tara. We're happy to have you on the team. She says, I'm just doing my job. No big deal. Beast Boy's like, what's well, a big deal to us? From there, Cyborg, he's tired. He says, Titan's Tower is locked up. Security code is all plugged in there, and he's going to shut down and go to bed. So everyone goes to bed. Everyone's tired from the big fight earlier. We see the outside of Titan's Tower, which is just a big T. And and Titan's Tower was a big thing in the comics. They'd always show the Titan's Tower. I think it was supposed to be off the coast of Manhattan. Oh, really? I, yeah, I don't. It wasn't supposed to be Gotham, I don't believe. So I don't know. And I don't. They mentioned know. Gotham at one point in the show. Yeah. Tara mentions it, but um, yeah, I'm not sure where this is. We just see like yeah, it's on like the shore of who the hell's. It's just a big T. Yeah. In the skyline. And uh, so everyone goes to bed, and Tara kind of looks around, shifty-eyed, as we mentioned, and sits down at a laptop, and we see her hit send on some mysterious email or something or other. So we know something nefarious is happening, and she gets a suddenly a knock at the door. It is Beast Boy, and again, they're beating you over the head with it. There's hearts around him as she opens the door. He's very uh, smitten with Tara. So much so, there's this huge awkward pause where he's not saying anything, just looking at her, and she's like looking at him. And I would say that one of the drawbacks of the adaptation is that you lose a little bit of Tara's personality outside of being innocent and then betraying them. You know, she's a lot more innocent in this. Yes. Um, I, I don't know if I just spoiled it in terms of the time frame, but no, you could. Um, in a certain way, I would I would love it if they had made her character as comedic as Beast Boy is, in the same way that she is in the comic book. And she maybe was, she was earlier, and we didn't see it. But this one, she just seems very conflicted the entire episode, and very kind of yeah. One the note. Tara character isn't as well developed as I think they could have made her. They could have given her a little more dimension because he's really doing all the work of trying to right. woo her. And she's just trying to hide something. 
Yeah, he's got a, <laughs> he's got a present for her, yes. and he apparently wrapped it with a glue gun. And she says, "I don't know what to say." And he says, "Say yes, because I'm about to ask you on a date." And the present is this heart shaped box. Yep. And she says, "No." That's right. She Breaks says his heart. No. Yes. The first so, time. Right. Beast Boy basically later is in his room calling himself an idiot and says all he had to do was and they cut to like five different cut scenes of what he should have done what he should have said to Tara to get him to go out with her yeah and I think the cut scenes you know fit in I mean this isn't really an action superhero cartoon it's much more geared towards younger audiences relationships yeah yeah and so i think that those cut scenes like that and the one in the beginning uh with the fake tv show or the fake game show yeah you know i i think that that really captures the spirit of this show and when it came out it was like it's like more like anime there's not not the same rules of reality um applying and it's it's a good way to show a character like beast boy who can change into different animals you know just kind of show his emotional state of being as having him pop through all these scenarios. Yeah, and it kind of threw me for a loop. But, you uh, did. Yeah, I did. Uh, so he calls himself a goober and then suddenly sees Tara hovering on a rock outside his window. And he says, why didn't you just knock on the door? And she says, do you trust me? And he says, more than anyone I've ever met. Which just says, you're a fool. <laughs> so out the window they go. At this point, Cyborg gets up. His stomach is grumbling. We literally see his stomach like moving rhythmically. So he's off to the fridge. He gets there, but he sees all the Slade's robots. They're in. They're in, they just they're got in, in. Titan's Tower. They're they right just there. Got in. What the hell's going on here? The security has been breached. I think it's interesting that Cyborg is in charge of all the security, and it's like almost like part of his powers, yeah, part of his talent. I don't think that was the case in the comic. It was never he was never like a Tony Stark type kind of computer or science genius. I know that he. But it was, seems like he's like literally plugged into it. Yeah, yeah. Um, his father was. It was always his father remade him after an accident. Mm. But he's like, he's the tech guy at Titan's Tower, which is, I, th- I thought an interesting addition to the cyborg character. So after the commercial, we cut back to Terra and Beast Boy. She says, you hungry? Beast Boy says, always. There's a lot of food in these shows. And I think that was, I think that was a thing that was really started by the Ninja Turtles. Right. Because right. all the pizza talk on the Saturday morning cartoon of Ninja Turtles then it had to be, you had to have teenagers are obsessed with food or something yes. like that. And it's like, everybody is kind of, but. We had pizza talk at the beginning of this episode. Yeah, there's pizza and the pie and then the. So they go into this bar, which, I mean, they are teenagers. Right. But and she's very comfortable there. She is. She so is. that's another little nod to the more risque ideas of the comics. Beast Boy sits down at the bar and they look at a menu and he says, I don't suppose you have a veggie burger. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Because he doesn't like to eat animals because he likes to be animals. Because he is one, yeah. <laughs> so uh, Tara cuts him off and says, we'll just have the usual Pam. And so right. Pam or Flo or whoever that was <laughs> uh, g- she goes. She the Flo hairdo. She did. She certainly did. So uh, my grits. <laughs> so uh, Tara says she was quite the traveler before joining the Titans. That's why she's kind of been around. She's been to this place, one of her favorite hangouts. 
Which explains why she had been absent for a number of episodes as well. So that still covers that a lot. Right. And he says, what's your favorite place? And she says, oh, Titan's Tower, I think. So anyway, Pam comes back and she's got apple pie. And it's literally the best apple pie Beast Boy has ever had. He he makes this like face and noise where it's like, is this good or bad? <laughs> but then he's like, it's the best thing I've ever had. So they uh, start enjoying the pie, but Tara sees Slade in the mirror behind the bar and gets spooked and takes off pulling Beast Boy behind her. And as they're leaving the bar, Beast Boy's communicator falls on the ground. Right. So he cannot make contact or no one can make contact with him at Titan's Tower. And Robin is trying to reach him at that exact moment. Right. The great voiceover actor, what's his name, who played Uh, Scrappy-Doo? Oh, yes. <laughs> his, his name is Scott Medville. Scott Medville, the 78-year-old candidate <laughs> yes. for city council. But yes, he, he's still useful in his voice, Scott Medville. We hear him over the communicator going, where are you, Beast Boy? Yeah, because we go right back to Titan's Tower. The fight is on. There's lasers everywhere. Cyborg's like, someone explain to me how 200 armed robots got past our security. And, uh, you know, everyone's fighting robots everywhere. Raven gets very upset because they start going towards her room. And she says, that's my room. Nobody goes in my room. And she basically pulls big blocks out of the wall to take out a bunch of them. Raven's ability, how does that differ from Terra's? They both seem to be able to manipulate and move stuff. Well, no, Raven's got this giant kind of antimatter bird that, she controls that goes floats behind her Mm. um she can also read minds but i don't know but she manifests things makes things she's a witch basically yeah but i don't know daughter of a demon as you said earlier yeah exactly right i think it was a little bit playing off of the exorcist and it's a little bit playing off of like 70s horror movies and Mm -hmm. that sort of thing and it's the idea that you know a teenage girl who's possessed by the devil or the daughter of the devil or something like that so now i just i liked her as the teenager going nobody goes near my room i thought that was the most (laughs) the best line of the that section of the episode the other thing that's interesting is in the comic book slade really goes off and picks them off one by one Tara takes pictures of all of their homes. Basically, they go out on a date where they visit everybody at home for some reason. Yeah. And then Slade attacks them each at their homes. And the way he gets um, Beast Boy is by leaving a bunch of autographed pictures for him to autograph. And I guess he's like licking the stamps and the stamps are poison and knocks them out. <laughs> Yeah, because a big part of what I saw, from what I was able to glean from the comics, a big part of it is that Terror reveals the secret identities the secret of identities, all the members all to Slade. Yes. When you're in a second season of Teen Titans, you can't go, oh, by the way, we all have secret identities, and we're going to tell you about that in this episode, and then by the end of the episode, she's going to reveal them all. And yes. <laughs> Oh, I, I guess spoilers that, uh, yeah, we're, we're spoiling the end yeah, of the episode right. with the actual betrayal, but but that's point way past that. coming at this point. Yes, yes, definitely. At one point, Starfire gets surrounded, but creates this, like, big green blast to blow them all away. And we go back to Beast Boy and Terra. Now they're at, like, a closed amusement park. You know, it's dark, everything's turned off, but they're the only ones there. Terra says this is the closest thing she's ever had to a home. They're on a, uh, a roller coaster. 
as we meet them and you know beast boys having the time of his life arms up and tara just kind of not really having a blast time but not i haven't she's sad about something but the thing that's interesting to me is i was trying to view this as kind of the target audience you know when i was reading teen titans i was like 13 14 Mm -hmm. and the audience for this is probably like 8 9 10 yeah and for this the tone shift of going through the titans the heroes of the show in this life or death struggle at titan's tower which i don't know how many times they'd had at titan's tower attacked on the show before that and then the cutaway to this romantic comedy scene for a good, you know, a, a whole four minutes or so. Yeah. Is an interesting tone change to put in a show for younger kids, you know yeah. what I mean? Because they know what's going on at Titan's Tower. And so it's got to be a little bit hard to enjoy the little romantic comedy scene. And so there's a tension under that scene, I think, for even the less sophisticated viewers. It's pretty well handled i I was impressed by that yeah i think so too and out there off the roller coaster and tara's kind of you know as we've talked about looking conflicted and beast boy asks if she's okay he says i'm having fun i want you to have fun too and tara's like yeah i want to go in the bumper cars so then it's montage time they're hitting all the rides in the uh amusement park bumper cars they're on the roundup, you know, the the one that spins right around like a roulette wheel, and Beast Boy's dog drool is hitting Terra in the face. That was a pretty funny scene. They're playing carnival games. Uh, I guess if they win, they go pick their own prizes because no one's there. I guess they could just cut out the middleman and just go and grab and arms full of prizes. Alternates between being animals and being himself. Yes, even in his neutral state, Beast Boy always likes to turn into animals to express himself, which is kind of one of the things that distinguishes him from a lot of superheroes. You don't have a lot of superheroes doing their powers to express as a form of (laughs) personal expression. Yes. I mean, I I honestly do think that that's one of the things I liked about Changeling as a character is that he is like a comedian in the way he uses his powers. He uses his powers to make jokes. Yeah. So there's another reason why I was related to him and I I think that it's it's interesting that it carries over in the cartoon and in the cartoon it's almost it's just more more natural because I think characters on cartoons for this younger ages are generally using their powers for self-expression more like Starfire might turn her beams into a heart or something like that, you know yeah. what I mean? So we end up on a Ferris wheel. Terra and Beast Boy do and it's one of those ones that has like uh, each car I don't know if it's a car but each like part of it is uh, is like covered they're not just sitting on a chair it's like a whole like little little room yeah the, on this big Ferris wheel it, but yeah yeah hopefully we described it well enough a basket no yeah something like a, but but a big but bigger and like they can a move tram, around in it. like a yeah 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 like a ski lift so anyway, so anyway, we're inside this, whatever this is, and this huge Ferris wheel called a Big Wheel. Just, the name of it is Big Wheel. And uh, Tara, is, she's been, this whole episode, just kind of been elsewhere in her mind. And she says to Beast Boy, would you still like me if I did something bad? If I did something completely horrible, you'd still like me, right? And Beast Boy just completely, there's nothing you could do. There's nothing you could do. I would always be your friend. Delusional. Yes. I mean, even like, I mean, Jesus, just the the way she's saying this, you 
you know something's well he's he's the first girl that he's he's all i mean i don't know if it's the same thing on the show but he's always throwing himself at girls always flirting yeah and it's the first time he's ever gotten any traction <laughs> you know and and uh you know somebody likes him back and it's too bad that it has to be the bad, bad girl. <laughs> well, speaking of bad, Slade shows up in this basket thing. What do you want with her? Says Beast Boy to Slade. Slade says, you mean she didn't tell you? This is Ron Perlman. It is. It, it doesn't Hellboy. sound like. No, he's just being commanding. He doesn't. He's not doing his. his he's not emphasizing. He's acting. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, so the the fight is on. Beast Boy is turning into a tiger to fight Slade. Then a gorilla. They bounce all over that big wheel. Slade ends up at one point on Gorilla's back and says, she never even liked you. And so that really sends Beast Boy into a rage. And um, it suggests that Slade knows more about Terra than we know he knows. Right, and he's like a, a monkey at one point. And at one point, Terra says, Beast Boy, fly! And Slade says, Terra, no! And, you know, he flies away as a bird, and she destroys the Ferris wheel into a big yeah, you know, she's cloud of smoke. Yeah, she sees that Slade is going to really hurt him. She's not willing to go that far. She's willing to betray all the rest of the Titans, but not Beast Boy. So from there, they run into the House of Mirrors. That's right. Beast Boy, at this point, realizes he lost his communicator, his Teen Titans communicator. He says, Terra, give me yours. She says... I don't have it. Well, we got to go back, says Beast Boy. And she says, I'm not going back. Why not, says Beast Boy. Slade pipes up. He's there. He's there in the House of Mirrors. And of course, the House of Mirrors is often used as the finale of from Enter the Dragon yes. to The Lady from Shanghai, I think, by Orson Welles is the first great House of Mirrors scene at the end of a movie. And Enter the Dragon is definitely a reference to that. And I think this is drawing its resources for anywhere it can. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah. It's, re it's really good. It's a really good uh, place to, to do this because uh, Slate is basically appears on all the mirrors right. uh, when he says this. Slade says, she's not your friend. She's my apprentice. I sent her to destroy our little team from the inside. Beast Boy is incredulous. He says, her orders were to strike, but I guess she took pity on you and wanted you as her pet. <laughs> Which is a nice line, given that he changes into animals. Right. And uh, he says, you know, he took pity on her, but she did take the time to deactivate the security at Titan's Tower. Oh, yeah. She's she's culpable. And Beast Boy says, liar! And Terra pipes up, Beast Boy, it's true. Terra tells Slade, I can't let you hurt my friend. And Slade says, dear child, you don't have any friends. It's around then where Terra just catches a glimpse of herself in all the mirrors, and she can't deal with what she sees, mm -hmm. her own reflection. So then Terra says, he helped me save me from myself. And Beast Boy says, so it was a game? You were pretending? And Terra says, no, no, no. You said you'd always be my friend, remember? And Beast Boy says, Slade was right. You don't have any friends. Wow. And Beast Boy walks off. 
and he helped her save her some from herself, which is interesting when it tied into the fact that she didn't know how to use her powers right. It's there's this weird blaming of the victim going on with Tara. That's mm. very it's interesting psychology for a a show that's aimed at like seven to ten year olds. Yeah, and as you said in the in the comic book, there's really little to no remorse from Tara in that version of the story. Oh no. I mean it's a it's a noir turn in the comic. It's it's a good guy who there's definitely romantic and sexual dynamics going on with Changeling turning bad. The surprise of that, I would be really impressed if they were able to keep it as secret as they did in the comic. Um, because that was really the thing. Reading the comic originally, there's a, a real sketchy relationship between her and Slade. And she comes out in like this slinky, silky, almost nightgown looking thing with lots of makeup on and smoking like a cigarette in a cigarette holder. Yeah. And it's all just implied that they have a, a relationship, that they're dating or there's a sexual relationship with them, which is super creepy to have like the protagonist that you care about changelings love interest actually be sleeping with the bad guy literally <laughs> uh and it was it's it was effective in terms of like whoa like for a teenager to go whoa this is like a more adult idea that had been introduced i like how they handled it here especially knowing that they did let her be a part of the team and one of the heroes for the majority of the season because that means that you know, as a kid watching it, you, you feel that betrayal. You feel that compromise. I I thought it was well handled for, I mean, obviously it's for a much younger audience. And, you know, you don't want the, I think the most he says in the episodes, you could never give her what she wants or something like that. It's the closest, yes. they, it's the closest <laughs> they get to implying that there's anything romantic between Slade and Tara. Yeah. Uh, which is, I think, I think that's, Cutting it close enough, and you don't need to do more than that for a younger audience. You know, to think of her as having been bad from the beginning is not that big a leap. Whereas here, it's a little bit more like, wow, what happened to this sweet Tara? Because she acts sweet the whole way through. Yeah. That's a little bit more of a mystery, and I think a little bit scarier probably on a certain level. It's like most of the villains you see these days, and like especially like the Marvel movies where they all... It's a heart of gold, but something went wrong along the way. Right. It's, there's, there's no pure evil, it seems, in I mean, like any comic book properties these days. I, I think what made it interesting to me reading it as a teenager was this betrayal was pretty sophisticated in terms of how it played out, and it was pretty surprising, and you cared about the characters enough that you were invested in the younger member of the team actually having a girlfriend for a change and that she's the one who, you know, betrays the team. It's not nearly as grown up as Jean Grey's and evil planet destroying force or as really truly noir as Daredevil's ex-girlfriend is actually an assassin. But it, it had that same quality of all those stories at that time, which was, is a little bit more of an adult story than you're used to from just superheroes smash them up. Yeah. Well, let's wrap up the episode because we go back to Titan's Tower after this and see the aftermath of the fight. Which is my my favorite shot. I said that the other one was one of my favorite shots from the episode. Yes. But I do like some subversive kind of dark images when they can 
get by. And the robots all just sprawled around the tower, just like on the furniture, just yeah. bodies and bodies and bodies. <laughs> it was pretty great. You know, like it's a pretty great image to come in on them. And what about Titan's Tower itself? Just all the windows are busted out and stuff right, like right. that. Yeah, it's- and there's uh, just robots wherever you look, just like- quite a scene over and they, there and then robots don't look like robots they look like bodies so it just looks like a bunch of corpses so uh they have all found out uh presumably from beast boy that Terra has been you know a secret agent the entire time and they're saying that you know our our flaws our weaknesses everything they need to know about us slade now knows yeah the, the four of them are just grumbling about it Yes. But, but Beast Boy's not there. They just reference him. Right. And uh, Robin says it doesn't matter, though. When Slade comes back, we'll be ready. Okay, Robin. And the, uh, Raven or Starfire says, and Beast Boy will be all right. <laughs> the way she says that line. Well, Starfire's from another planet, you know. Did you know that? Yes. So she's always played off as the kind of naive trying to figure out our ways as mm. earthlings. So she's always got to have ex- things explained to her, I think, even in this series. Oh, okay. And that's part of the the dynamic with Starfire and everybody. Yes, yeah, so Starfire, no, he's not going to be all right. Come on, he's, his heart's broken. Also, also, Starfire is with, I think Robin and Starfire are a couple in all Teen Titans. Yeah, I don't know if at this point in the series if they are. I wouldn't be surprised because I, I think a big part of Beast Boy having a girlfriend is the fact that he's looking around and everybody's coupled up kind of thing. Gotcha. So we go to, uh, it's either Beast Boy's room or it might even be Terra's room at, at a oh, yeah, Titan's be. Tower because we see Beast Boy is a dog and he's curled up on the floor with the heart-shaped box that he, that, gave, her. That yeah. he gave her. And he's, he's whimpering like a little dog. Yes, and that's- That's the end of the episode. We cut Teen to the credits. Yes. So that was Teen Titans Betrayal. Betrayal. Now let us go immediately to the spectrometer. Oh, yeah. You got to rate it in terms of Mark Spectros? Yes. No, Matt 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 Spectros. (laughs) No, I have my own system. I rate it in terms of Mark Spectros. He has another podcast. It's It's about wrestling. (laughs) <laughs> I think it's Mark Vincent, actually. but that, that, uh, Mark that's... Spectro. He's a podcast about wrestling called Tarzan's Wrestling Show. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense to me. So let's get to the rating. It's from zero to four. Don't ask me why it's four, not five. Zero means complete dog shit. And four means it doesn't get much better than this. Evano Television, how would you rate Teen Titans Betrayal? I would give it a th- Three, just because I would put it over, you know, I want to put it on the recommend side of things, but it didn't blow me away. Um, but I, I do, I do think that there's a lot of charm to this version of the Teen Titans, and I think that they handled the classic story as well as they could while still keeping it for a young audience. Me, I, I think, I think three is around. Where I mean, we could do half Spectros if if yeah. half Mark Spectros if you if we really wanted to. I would like you know two and a half Spectros. I mean, it's not. Oh, you get taken it down. Well, the problem is I don't know what I want from a cartoon superhero show. Honestly, yeah. so it's so, not really I mean, aimed I'm, for us. I'm a little bit curious. Again, we 
jumping around, but this story is such a classic that they've done it, I think, at least three times. They did it on this cartoon, and then they did a direct-to-video DC Universe, I think, more mature audiences version of the character's movie. Yes. So I, you know, I'm giving it, I'm giving it three more as a review of the whole 2003 iteration of the Teen Titans. I think they really found their own with this. To me, the uh, the other versions of the Teen Titans no longer appeal to me. Yeah. It's like, yeah, the, I kind of, it threw me off, like I said, the opening with like the, the video game slash game show thing. I, I didn't quite get it. Maybe it's because it's not for me, but I, I definitely think it has merit. I, I like the animation style. It is, it's not quite super hyper-realistic. It's, it's more aimed towards children. I, I didn't mind it. It's not quite for me. I, I will give it a three, though, and uh, kind of right alongside you. Unless uh, are you Two and a half or three? No, I think three. Okay, I think we're three. sticking I with think, three. Yeah, my two and a half was just that I just don't watch a lot of a lot of animation, so it's not you know I I didn't want to say this was the greatest thing in the world, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> now the other question that Matt Spectro, not Mark, likes to ask <laughs> is: Would a child in twenty twenty one, if they were to happen across Teen Titans betrayal, would that child enjoy the show oh definitely i think i mean i i don't know if things move faster now in animation or what but i think so yeah i think so too i i think maybe a younger child might not really get with all the um the relationship romantic type portions of the of the show they'd be more into the the fighting but i think overall especially the animation style the way things it's almost 20 years old what we just watched and i think it holds up i mean yeah i think that's what i meant about it they found their form they hit their stride i mean i always think of like um i think you know that although i'm an x-men fan i don't like the x-men movies mm. and it's mainly because i don't like brian singer but what i always acknowledge is that hugh jackman defined wolverine for everyone right the thing about hugh jackman is it kind of feels like hugh jackman was where wolverine was heading towards from his inception like the the character found his perfect embodiment and i feel like this is maybe the perfect embodiment of teen titans they'd weeded out all the junior aqualad characters <laughs> and got stripped it down to the the four new characters from the 80s and then allowed those characters to be not an imitation of the x-men not an imitation of something else but this whole other hybrid anime fun superheroes i really hope aqualad shows up in one of these episodes <laughs> on this teen titan series i'm gonna do a search for aqualad's visual because i'm i'm pretty sure he had dark hair and a red a red shirt that's something else uh well evano television it's been great to have you as part of this podcast now uh why don't you Plug away. Talk about some oh. bad man scenes. How can people okay. find out more about you? Again, the best places probably to look are evanotv.com, which has some links to Evano Television. There's not a lot of Evano Television on the internet because it's very much a live experience, mm -hmm. almost like the way what my joke earlier about ventriloquism on the radio. I'm much more interested in getting people out to see that 
live when I perform it live. Although I might start to do some live streaming of it because it's a little bit of a magic trick. It's a little bit of a suspension of disbelief. So evanotv.com, you can find that. And then you can also find links from there to badmancinis.com and illmurray.com, which are the websites for the Badmancinis electronic music and sample-based music and our epic tribute to Bill Murray that I'm sure if you like it, you can go down the rabbit hole with it because (laughs) it's 16 songs. It was the labor of about three to four years of work. And if you ever want to see Carl from Caddyshack smoking a joint with R2-D2, the best place to go to see that is (laughs) ilmurray.com. Tremendous. Well, I really appreciate you uh, being a part of this. Let us know what you think. And out there, let us know what you think. Uh, Let Matt Spectro, in fact, know what you think. He is on Twitter, at Matt Spectro. On Facebook, facebook.com slash Matt Spectro. Be sure to interact with him. Let him know what you thought. Let him know how I did as a guest host. Tell him that I am a superior host to him and he should stay on vacation permanently. Uh, That would be very good. So make sure you uh, let him know what's going on. With all of that, and make sure you share this show. Go out there, subscribe, uh, follow, and the best thing to do is word of mouth. Just let people know that Matt Spectre Through the Multiverse is out there. All right. Uh, I think that's it for us, folks. Uh, uh, we sh- maybe we'll be back next week. I don't, I don't know if I'll be here, if it'll be somebody else. It could even be Matt Spectre. Probably not. But uh, we will find out. You will find out when you tune in next week for another episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. Yeah.